Blog Talk Radio. You're hungry. I know hypoglycemia can do sound still. Do you want to see it? Just thinking. A what? You want to know what I was thinking? About eating? I was thinking about Wakanda. Was that a camp in Wisconsin? Seeing Abdul Habaz's picture reminded me of Mo and Jada time I spent in Chad and Sudan. Started thinking about Wakanda. Where is Wakanda? It's nowhere. It's a fictional African country. The most technically advanced society in the Marvel Universe. And the richest. Hold on a second. In a comic book? You just geeked out on me in a real moment? Hey, man, when I was a kid, comic books were the only thing that made sense. It was simple. Good guys versus bad guys. For me, it was all about Chala, the Black Panther. Of course. Not just because he was a brother who was richer than Tony Stark. Chala was a leader. He was a president. He was a superhero. All at the same time. It was all about justice. When I left Brooklyn, the only thing I wanted to see was the motherland. And, and to witness that world up close. And instead of finding Wakanda, I found poverty, starvation, child soldiers, death squads. Walt's bread and butter. I thought I could save more. I really thought I could help Jada. That whole motherland thing's overrated. Traveling to another radio show. A broadcast not only of sight and sound, but of mind, mind. A journey into the wondrous land whose boundaries are that of the imagination. imagination. That's the on-air sign up ahead. Your next stop, Afro Nerd Radio. With your guides, Dee Bird, Captain Kirk, and on Grindhouse Saturdays, the uncanny Daryl D. Mind expansion engaged. Briefly, 
of Batman versus Superman, only in the sense that there is a petition out there for Zack Snyder's head. I'm being somewhat figurative about that, but they want to get rid of the guy for Justice League. So we do have to talk about this. Anyway, let's go to a quick groove, and then we'll, you know, we'll wax, folks. This is uh, perhaps, everyone knows this is my favorite artist. This is a rehearsal, believe it or not, of Days of Wild by His Royal Badness. Give me about two minutes, then we'll be right back. Let's groove. Days of Wild, rehearsal.
Rogers Nelson, Days of Wild. Folks, this is the Grindhouse edition of Afro Nerd featuring Captain Kirk, the uncanny Daryl B., and, of course, Claire Lene. Let's just get to it. Captain, you need it on the holodeck post-haste. Let's get to it. Let's do it. Let's do it. All right, you know who this gentleman is. He is the uncanny. You know, before I even get him on cap, I had this goofy idea of actually having all of us have these uh, marvelous adjectives. You know, the sensational Claire Lene, the spectacular D. Burt. But I say, you know what? Let this gentleman have his day. So I'm not going to have an adjective, although I wanted one. I wanted one. So this is the uncanny Daryl B. Seriously, what multiverse is this? Leave it to WB Films to start messing up my TV shows. Okay. <laughs> when we get and into the Flash Supergirl crossover, you'll get my anger. Okay. <laughs> we'll talk about it, as always. Yeah. You know this lo- this lo- young lady is? She's new to the team, but she's made a uh, quite an impact. She is Claire Lene. Claire? Hey, how's it going? Hey, nice to hear from you again. <laughs> All right, folks. Um, we have a lot to get to, so let's just get into it. Um, I wanted to talk about Batman vs. Superman briefly, although I know that it raises the ire of many folks. Um, going into comic shops, folks, uh, speaking on the street, those who are fans and those who are not fans, this this movie is really... The, the opinions are so split, and I don't understand why. There are folks that are, folks that are defending this movie vehemently, uh, giving it far more kudos, far more uh, tomatoes that are not rotten beyond what Rotten Tomatoes actually gave this film. I'm confused about it. So I, think, I don't know if this is a millennial thing where millennials have a different, maybe that emo bleakness resonates with a film like this, but folks actually that I've spoken to are very uh, upright in telling me the movie was great. It was, they, they, they found nothing wrong with it. Or, or if the, the issues that we spoke about last week, uh, that they're not, it's, it, it's not a, that much of a big deal to them. So I'm, I'm confused about this. Anyway, I do know that on Twitter there is a, a, a burgeoning, a burgeoning, um, campaign to get rid of, a petition to get rid of Zack Snyder for, for the upcoming JLA, JLA movie. So let, let me give this to, the mic to, to Claire. Claire, what, what are your thoughts about folks who seem to dig this thing? I thought, we, I thought it was pretty clear that this was really not a great movie, but I'm, I'm getting different opinions that are telling me that this thing was just, they were thoroughly enter, entertained. So what are your thoughts? You know, Zack Snyder, here's the thing. If you like Man of Steel, if you like his style, then, yeah, okay, more, more than likely you're going to like this. Um, I think he's extremely divisive. I think he's extremely polarizing in general. Prior to even taking on the reins of this enormous project, and even though the pressure's on, I just, 
I'm 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 amazed because I'm hearing very passionate, you know, views on on both sides. My only problem is, don't tell me that oh, you're not a fan. You know, you don't really understand comics. Don't tell me that crap, and don't say that's the reason why I don't get it. Because Kevin Smith, okay, Kevin Smith is a huge supporter of the franchise of Jeff Johns, longtime you know good friend of Ben Affleck, and he didn't even like it. Okay, he didn't even like it, and people want to say no, but he liked it better the second time. Yeah, but he didn't recant any of his previous comments, any of his previous negative comments. He didn't take anything back. All he said was, yeah, I liked it better the second time because I saw it with my friend, you know, Jason Mewes, who plays Jay in the Jay and Silent Bob, you know, series. And, you know, he said that the whole thing that I said before about the movie not having any heart, well, you know, it it, it does. It has heart, but it's in the viewers. You know, it's in the viewers. We're the ones that are are really nostalgic and, and, you know, geeking out over all these little Easter eggs and all these little nods to the the different comic book iterations that are included in this film. Yeah, okay, but there's nostalgia and there's appreciating the, the nods. And then there's the fact that the movie is riddled with structural <laughs> problems, plot holes, things that don't make any sense, things that were so vague and so unclear. I mean, do you know that I had to even look it up? Like, apparently this is a thing now. Like, you have to look something up online just to understand what the hell's going on in this movie. I did not know that that was Jimmy Olsen. <laughs> okay? Sorry. Sorry. I did not know. I did not know that was Jimmy Olsen. Are you kidding? I did not know that the, the, the dream within a dream within a dream and all these other sequences going on. And coming out of the vortex and whatnot, I was like, what is that? What am I looking at? Okay, you know what? I'm sorry. Oh, sorry, folks. Sorry. Spoiler. But I had no idea. I had no idea. That was a flash. Are you kidding? What am I even looking at? Please. Do I need a, 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 a cryptograph? Like, do, I need to, do I need something to decipher this movie? You know, but uh, but that's my main issue. My main issue is that I get it. This is a very polarizing movie. People are heated on both sides of it. We got a petition on change.org all the way up to 14,000, you know, people signing it already. So I'm okay with that. I'm just not okay with people saying, oh, well, you don't get it because you're not a real fan. You you know, you don't understand comics. That's why you don't get. Okay, no. No, I get movies. Okay? I know the difference between a good one and a bad one. I'm not saying this is terrible, okay? I'm not saying this was like Transformers, okay? I'm yes, I've seen worse Close. movies Close. for very large budgets, but still. Still. Let's just be honest. There were some things that didn't quite add up. Okay? There were some things that were just a mess. You know, plot-wise, let's just say, don't tell me that you know you're gonna kill this guy. You're gonna stab him in the chest with a Kryptonian spear, you know, and then tell his mother five minutes later that I'm a friend. I'm a friend of your son. No, don't 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 tell me that. Don't don't even don't don't get me started. Don't get me started. 
you know, uh, Daryl, you know, she's bringing up some points that I, that are valid because I, I'm also who was who was Jimmy Olsen? I didn't get that either. Who, who, Jimmy Olsen who was, was a Secret Service agent. It's the only way you could get close to. So we attached me to it. He was the the. the that was Jimmy Olsen in the beginning. That was Jimmy Olsen, hon, the photographer in exactly. Africa. The photographer oh. that got killed. So now Jimmy Olsen's a secret agent. Okay, okay, and he's dead. He was CIA. And he's dead, yes. Yeah, and he's dead. Okay, okay, now let me get this straight. Jimmy Olsen is so integral to the, <laughs> to the Superman's mythology. There you I go. Mean, you, might well, you might as well kill Lois Lane. So or any, well, anyway, yeah, these, these are, these are I mean, like, and also the fact that we didn't. I mean, was he was he was he known in Man of Steel? Was there even a Jimmy Olsen in Man of Steel? Yes, it was the girl. Oh. It was the girl in Man of Steel, the girl that was palling around with Lois Lane. That was supposed to be Jimmy Olsen. They were going to gender yeah, was, bend that. I, I heard about that, but was that clearly? I mean, did they say she was? Is she credited as being Jimmy Olsen in the liner sheet? No, no. It's another name. But it was supposed to be Jimmy Olsen. And then throw into that on, the, on Supergirl's TV show, which is supposed to be taking place in the same universe as Man of Steel, all right, that Where did you, you get have that? the black Jimmy Olsen. Where Wait, we have that? a crisis of infinite Olsen's. DC has always made it clear that they've kept their movies and their TV separate. Yeah, I never heard of that. Hence the reason why we're going to have a TV flash, and then we're going to have a movie flash. But, but now we have three different Jimmy Olsons, well, two with one deceased unless we do Blackest Night. Anyway, we have three different Jimmy Olsons in that universe. But my issue is, is that if you're going to kill off a major character, okay, it's one thing, okay, it's one thing to be wiping out Mercy Graves, you know. It's one thing, but we don't really know her. Nobody really knows that name. We all know Jimmy Olsen. We all know who that is, and you're not really going to kill him off within the first ten minutes of the movie, but you're going to kill him and not even tell us who he is? What? Let me bring back Daryl because I'm getting some uh, some feedback from his end. Darryl, Sorry about uh, that truck rumbling by. That's all right. So, okay. So, what what are your thoughts about this this dichotomy of of thought? I mean, I, I I'm a little disturbed too. I mean, you and I have decades in in knowledge in comic books, and I, I, we're beyond fans. So this is almost a business for us. So we, we, I've got that I got the same critique that. That Claire had had got had gotten about well you're not fans I mean you know I'm I'm confused about because I am a fan I'm I, a fan it, and I didn't see any I didn't see anything the, the points that Claire Claire's making up I mean that that, that she's that she's pointing out pardon me that she's pointing up pointing out pardon me are truly valid I mean for fans a fan a fan would not appreciate the death of Jimmy also or rather even kind of the the the, the minimalist view on Jimmy Olsen of this thing. Jimmy Olsen is, is a character not unto himself. He deserves some, some, something, you know, some knowledge, some acknowledgement in this franchise. I mean, how are people call, all of a sudden we're not fans? Alright, before we mean? go into it, just to let the listeners know, you've had your two weeks. 
we held back. We're not holding back now because this is part of the stupidity of this film. And as you could hear, your fellow moviegoers that 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 vouch for this movie were so behind it that it had an 81% fallout. Okay, so before you come and critique us about our fanhood and uh, for us to check our geek credentials at the door, all right? How about you guys back up your own words and convince your friends to go see it again? All right, now. Off of my high horse, I'm going to get into this, all right? And I'll just say it like this. I put the challenge out on Twitter. I put the challenge out to our rival podcasts and everybody, all right? You give me one Superman diehard fan who's been a fan of the S for longer or as long as I have been, all right? 30 years. 30 years I've been a Superman fan. Give me one. Superman fan in the game for 30 years or longer, all right, that loved this film, I will shut up critiquing it, all right? And let's keep in mind, last week's show, I was the guy that gave the movie the best ratings. <laughs> I'm the, the dude that hated on it going up to it was the dude that gave it the best ratings because I felt they handled Wonder Woman well, they ha- handled Batman well, okay? Lex Luthor, if that's what they choose to call him, you know, they kind of handled that well. But uh, my problems with him is the same my problems with Heath Ledger. He, Eisenberg played a good villain, but it wasn't Lex Luthor. If Joker and Lex Luthor had a love child, then, yes, that was Jesse Eisenberg. But that being said, all right, fans who have this petition or whatever, let me just tell you from the bottom of my heart, you saw how well it worked with with the, the, the Asian Iron Fist thing. Sorry, Claire, I had to bring that up. All right? You saw how well that's worked before with other runs. This is not going to gain any traction. Why? Because we, we may be jaded fans, but we're also fractured. We can't get together on this. All right? Like it or not, Zach has control of the franchise. My problem is, all right, if you got control of the franchise, then you got to know the characters, all right? And obviously, from the movie, he doesn't know what makes Flash tick, and he doesn't know what makes Superman tick. If you can't get them mythos right, then you don't get the characters right, all right? And, and I've had arguments with other people that said, well, uh, you got to look at it like, oh, it's an alternate version of him. And I go, like, I do look at it like that. But what sets me off, just like you, is people saying, oh, you don't know the character. Excuse me. I've been there through Panic of the Sky. I've been there through Reign of the Superman. I've been there through Exiled. I was there for War of Krypton. I was there for New Krypton. I was there for the first New God saga. Where were you at? Don't. Don't check my Superman credentials. Don't check me at the door because you'll get run over. But you know what? The only phrase I'll say to this, it was right. Captain was right. The longer we do this, the more young bucks that come into the game thinking they know more than us, they'll co-opt it, and then they'll say, well, you old men on the porch don't know this anymore. You know, it, it, this is our game now. You don't really know these characters. To which I say, when was the last time you were in the library? 
When was the last time you read this book? Have you ever read the archives of the the treasure uh, the the treasuries? You know those books that treasuries to you. I read when they first came out. Get off my lawn. Back to you, Afro nerd. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, and I can also say that when I was a kid, I picked up. I told you how how much of a blurt I was. I picked up Michael Fleischer's encyclopedia on Superman, and 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 that's coming from a person who's really not. The Superman stand. I mean, I also got uh, the same author also had an encyclopedia for Batman, and you, you, I got into all the uh, Golden Age stories with Superman, and also some of the motivations between Siegel and Schuster. So, um, we, so we talk about this incessantly every week about comicdom, geekdom, pulp fiction, and so forth. So it will be very, it will be very hard pressed for folks to say that we don't have the cred. I'll tell you something else that's been put out there as well. Some of this Marvel versus DC thing is coming up as a, as a critique that, well, you, if you don't understand this DC thing, it's because you are, you are a Marvel person. So, I mean, I, I, I'm invested in all of these comic books. Uh, I'm invested in Image. I'm invested in, you know, in, in all these uh, comic book uh, companies. So a milestone for sure. So I, I'm, I don't think that has anything to do with it. I mean, I mean Listen, as a, as a uh, I'm not a Sergio Mims, I'm not um, a cineast of of that kind of heft, but just for someone who wants to see a good movie structurally, this movie did not have it. But I'm even confused with the thing about, well, you're you know you you support Marvel and and then and then folks are like critiquing Marvel's movies as if they're not that great compared to this movie. Are you kidding me? Like, where were you guys at when the Marvel movies first got released? Yo, this ain't Crips versus Bloods. This ain't Republicans versus Democrats, okay? We are allowed to have an opinion. Nowhere in our rantings did we say your opinions are wrong. But but if you're going to cross over that line and step on our knowledge, step on our opinions, then guess what, sons, daughters? We'll give it just as good as we get it. That's a warning to all of you out there. If you're going to step up to the plate, if you're going to take out the king, you best not miss because we got something for you. Let's go to the cap. Captain, what are your thoughts about this? I mean, there's several things going on. I don't necessarily want to rehash last week's conversation, but I think we should pay close attention to the, 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 the divergence of opinion this petition that's going on, this interjection of Marvel in the mix for some reason. I mean, there's a couple of things going on as an aftershock from this movie. And again, I want the movie, I think all of us want the movie to succeed. I, I, I want as much pulp stuff that they can throw at us. So I, I, I appreciated the fact that if this, was, if this were to be good, then not only do we have Marvel, but we have DC. I don't know if I can say that. So what are your thoughts about all this stuff that's going on after the last week's release? Here's the, here's the reality. I, I think some of this stuff is misguided entirely. You have to understand how decision-making is done. Decision-making is done top-down. It's not bottom-up. It's top-down. This is why the U.S. military goes after leaders like Gaddafi. Oh, he's not around anymore because it changes the tide in the war. You kill the head. Screw the foot soldiers. 
That's irrelevant. And decision-making of the suits in respect to this movie here. They all need to be lined up and Frank castled out. That's the reality of it. All right? Yeah. That's, the, that's the reality of it. That's what needs to happen because they made a cardinal sin. They always say, not always, a lot of times, not all the time, a lot of times, not all the time, that decision-makers have this sociopathic type of mindset. You know, you have to be a lot of times, not all the time, when you have to lay off a thousand people. You know, you have to have that mindset, otherwise you can't sleep at night. What happened with these individuals, as I always say, scientists say, say that too, they made an extremely emotional decision. They reacted to Marvel. There's a certain way to do this. This movie, you should not have seen this movie to probably 2021. That's to tell you the truth. And it would have been real easy to just stay, do your standalone movies, you know, build these characters up and drop it. Now, here's the kicker. We all know the script was bad. We all know we don't like the direction. Now, one of the greatest composers and scorers, you know, Hans Zimmer said he's taking a break after this movie, and he feels he didn't do his best work. Now, Hans Zimmer was the same guy that killed it for Dark Knight. You take that, move, that, that music out of Dark Knight, you got an okay movie. That's what put it over the top. That's what made it epic. It's the way the music went with everything on the screen. He himself realized, yeah, I, I didn't do that. I got to take a break from the superhero stuff. This is Hans Zimmer. Hans Zimmer, that's the man. You get him. You got a. You got a little BS script, and you get Hans Zimmer signed on. Greenlit. 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 This is the man. So you have to see what's going on here. You have to see what's going on here. So ultimately, it's the suits. Because if you don't have those suits, this doesn't get formulated the way it got formulated. We can go ahead and get rid of Zack Snyder, but you still have the top in there doing what they're doing, trying to react, trying to react. This is a real simple move going forward. Real A and B. If this movie comes up $1.1 billion, you have to say, I have to keep Zack Snyder in the mix. If we come up like nine fifty, Zack Snyder, you got to go. You know, it's real, it's real A and B. It's real A and B. But even that, if that's the case, you still have these same suits. Me, personally, if I was the suit, I would just say, let's relax. Woosah. I saw the film. I really didn't like it as a suit. I'm here to make money. It's a business at the end of the day. But let's do this. People like Ben Affleck. I like Ben Affleck as Batman. Let's do these standalone Batman movies. Let's get the move. Let's get the music right. Let's get a little highs and lows in there. And then we start putting some of these other characters in the Batman movie, introduce them, build that up, and then we come back without Justice League later on. That's it. You know, that's it. These People will forget real quick. It's all part of the news cycle. But as long as you keep doing this shenanigans, come on, man. Everyone knows. Look, anybody with any sense, maybe the, the younger generation who's 21, 22, they really don't have sense. But, hey, I'm just saying. You know, anyone that has any sense, you can see the script was not good. The music wasn't good. That's Hans Zimmer. Come on, Hans. Wasn't good. The direction wasn't good. So that equates to not having a good movie. At best, it's going to be okay. That's it. There's certain factors that have to come together, sun, moon, and stars link up in order for you to have a good movie. Everything is top down, not bottom up. Back over to you, Afro Nerd. Yeah, you know, I, I know that uh, Daryl mentioned this, and I'm looking at it from iFilm, 
I'm part of me, slashfilm.com, slashfilm.com. And they're also corroborating this whole deal of an 81% drop-off in the second week in box office Hello? numbers. Hello? Yep. Claire was in and Claire was me? out. You all there? Yes. Yeah. Got you, Claire. You hear us? Claire. Uh-oh. Claire, are you there? I guess she'll, she'll she'll figure it out. She'll come back on. Uh oh yeah, she dropped off. Okay, she's coming back on. All right. Um Yeah, 81% drop off. And I'm looking at this slash film.com and it mentions other numbers, other movies. Fantastic Four second week 78%, Watchmen with 78%, Hulk with 76%, uh X-Men Origins, Wolverine 75%. Green Lantern, 72%, and Man of Steel, 71%. Not exactly the class um, you want to be in. No. And then there's something else we have to take note of as well. Uh, Claire, you back? I'm back. Okay, cool. Uh, I was just talking about the 81% drop-off that Daryl referenced. Um, or was that you? Daryl, did you mention You said 81%, right? Yeah, I mentioned right? it, yep. Um, and there are other... Movies that <laughs> are not great to use as a litmus test that had similar drop-offs. We mentioned the first Hulk, Watchmen, X-Men, Green Lantern. Uh, although Man of Steel, I don't think I think Man of Steel was somewhat mild. I mean, it, did, it still made like seven hundred million. You know, or maybe it was a six hundred million. You know, moderate, but still, Man of Steel should be. You know, we're talking about um, Deadpool making more money than Man of Steel. So I mean, that's that's. Um, that is quite that. That's something. I will say that. Anyway, um, all right. Let, let's um, let's move things along a little bit with also with the Suicide Squad thing. Now I'm hearing that Suicide Squad that, that I thought looked a lot more upbeat. I mean, just from the trailer, and maybe thankfully they didn't show a whole lot from the trailer. So we, we I can go in with a clear head and not being so not being so much about what I saw in the trailers months before. But now they're doing reshoots to make it more fun. Now, that makes, that's, a, that's also a bit worrisome for me. I'm going to go back to, to Claire on this one. Now, oh, God. What, what, what's that about? Reshoots because, because they had to figure out that a comic book movie is supposed to be somewhat fun? I mean, what's going on with these people? It sounds crazy. Claire? Well, it does sound crazy, and, you know, going back to what the cap said, I mean, I, unfortunately, this, to me, kind of confirms the position of uh, of panic, of weakness, because it's very reactive. It's like, oh, okay, so we're getting a lot of backlash, we're getting a lot of divisive, a lot of negative, you know, film critics' reviews, and rotten on the tomato score, and, and you know, they're, they're freaking out, flailing, flailing. So... They know that ultimately the trailer, it does look light. By comparison, it looks a lot more, you know, fun, playful, amidst you know the the, the kickassery and and the action and all that. But there's a hint of playfulness, especially if you're going to play Bohemian Rhapsody. That's a choice. You are letting us know, you know, by and large, what some aspects of the tone is going to be for this movie. But now it's being said that they're 
going over, you know, what they have, and it's it's really not indicative of what the film is in general. That we're just seeing what's strung together, the, the lightest moments of the whole project. But in actuality, it's still pretty dark. So they're willing to, you know, freak out over this whole <laughs> Batman backlash and spend millions of dollars on reshoots, even though they've already wrapped, to go and just tweak and adjust and modify to better reflect the tone of the trailers. Because we're expecting something lighter. I mean, not saying fun and jokes and, you know, sunshine and rainbows, but, you know, come on, we've all seen the trailer and it looks great. And there is a reason why the trailer outpaced the trailer of Batman versus Superman when they were released at Comic-Con together, okay? There is a reason. I mean, it just looks more fun. People kept wanting to watch it over and over again. Same thing with box office, you know, revenue. A lot of that is repeat business. People going to see the movie again and again, you know? So in terms of this, I don't know what to think. I really don't. I mean, I think it's reactive. It does weaken their position in my mind even further confirming suspicions that perhaps they don't really know what they're doing. But again, it follows suit with what happened with, with, um, with Batman vs. Superman. You do realize that the movie wrapped at the end of 2014, right? Have we forgotten that, folks? The movie wrapped at the end of 2014. And remember, they had to delay, and then it was supposedly fall in May, same as you know, Civil War, and then they backtrack. It's like, no, you know, we're going to move it to March and this and that and the other, and we're going to do tons of editing. And, again, look at look at the pieces that led up to this, okay? It wasn't as if two writers got together and drafted this script that we see on the screen. No, Chris Terrio, he wrote a script based on what was written previously by David S. Goyer. Okay, that's a red flag. Now, the whole thing with the music, I agree. It was not great, but it was also very discombobulated, which is very much reflective of the movie. You know, you got Hans Zimmer, and then you got some aspects, particularly the Wonder Woman theme, that is just, it screams Junkie XL, who's now, you know, all the rage because... He's done Mad Max, Fury Road, Deadpool. He's got a very specific style. And I think that style, in some ways, doesn't necessarily, you know, gel with what Hans Zimmer was trying to do for, for, for this film in terms of the score. So, like I said, there are certain aspects that I liked. I am looking forward to the individual, you know, franchises in terms of seeing what, you know, Wonder Woman's going to do, Aquaman. Cyborg, yeah, okay, maybe The Flash, I guess, I don't know. I'm quite partial to Grant, Gustin. <laughs> but you know what I'm saying? Like, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing the individual stuff. But knowing, knowing that as of right now, Zack Snyder is going to direct Justice League Part 1 and Part 2, I don't know. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. There are certain aspects of this that I was okay with, but as a whole, it's just thrown in together, and it doesn't all—it just doesn't all quite synergize for me. Back uh, to you, let's go to the phone. Let, here, let's here go to the phone here. Here comes the leftist. 
<laughs> yeah. Bison, is that you? Hey, what's going on? Hey. What's up, man? Oh, I'm sorry, man. I, I, I thought I, I thought this was a Marvel convention. I, I, let me hang up and, and call again. I thought this was uh, where you can do no, no. free thought. It's a comic. Know. It's a it's oh, a oh, comic oh. convention. All we take you know, we take everything. But sucks sucks, you know, man. I, I, I and swallows, by the way. Blogger, Go ahead. I know a certain poster. I mean, blogger, podcaster who said, "Why are blacks so into the Democratic Party? Why is everybody shit?" <laughs> and now, when the opposite is thrown up, you know, you get this But uh, I'm gonna say a couple of things because I don't want to. You know, this horse is getting beaten to death. But let me just say this, people. People can have different opinions. This is starting to sound. I like the movie. I enjoyed the movie. Ugh. It was flawed. Let me get my it gun. was flawed. Well, you know where I'm from. When you say that, you're already dead. So there we go. Be careful. Be careful. And and Daryl, stop, stop, goddamn whining so much about the film. You, you whine. It's a it's a film. No, I'm not no. whining. I'm just you I'm, whining. You whining. I'm, I'm not whining. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just laying out my my feelings, okay? Bison. Okay. Uh, uh, how about, how about, okay? Uh, hey, I'll, hey, I'll, hey, I'll turn the tables on you. Training? You remember basic training when people got the towel treatment? You, 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 you. are skirting close to that, but gentlemen and, and lady, let's let's be careful because I've noticed this film is very divisive. And it's getting to the point where if you enjoy the film, you're almost jumped upon if you enjoy it. That's true. That's true. I mean, I enjoyed the film. Now, there's some things I don't like about it. You know, my life will continue. You know, Warner Brothers is going to make his money. I mean, people acting like, you know, it's taking money out of their pocket. They're almost literally personally affronted. You know, I'm not going to get all that wound up over a fictional character created 75 years ago. It won't oh. have no effect on my life one way or the other. Okay. Well, but um, I mean, well, this is this is, this is called America. It's called capitalism. Let's not let's not make it out anything else. This is pure capitalism, and DC is playing catch up. Everybody knows that. Okay. But there can be there's more than one way of movie making. Now we we can agree, you know, if people don't like the movie, people don't like the movie. But let's not browbeat people who like the movie. Well, you know, neither I, I should, this, should the other side be taken up. You, you, if if yeah. I don't like the movie, okay, and I said the movie was okay, when I say my reason for it is that I feel he messed up the Superman mythos, then don't come back to me telling me I don't know Superman. Who the hell are Who you to tell me I don't know Superman? I've heard it from a couple of Twitter. Twitter guys and a couple of blog, a podcasters <laughs> that I've talked to. That's not the real world. Well, I, I, hey, we, I've heard it in the yeah, comic yeah. shop, too, from real people. So I'm just saying that there's, there's a segment out there that feel that if you don't get Zack Snyder's Superman, you don't know Superman. Really? And also people, there are also people who think that you have to have comedy and a certain aesthetic in superhero movies, and if you don't have that aesthetic, um, it's... It's a, it's a flawed product, and I disagree with that. Okay, oh, oh, hold on, hold on, hold on one second. Let, let, let me let me get, let's get straighten this out. There's a word we use on this show quite a bit. It's called deconstruction. 
And and it also means about – there's also something we do. We try to talk about facts. And when you talk about how this comic book movie went down, they went against so many – so much of the mythology of the characters, plural, that it makes no sense. And I understand you, you make a valid point, Bice, about everything doesn't have to be comedic, but it does have to be entertaining. And for there to be an mm-hmm. 81% – repeat that again, I'm sorry. No, I'm saying entertaining for whom? Because was this movie made for the audience? The audience, the audience, overwhelmingly. Listen, the money. When you say that the money, listen, I agree with you. It is about capitalism, but it's capitalism based on good old-fashioned entertainment. And for there to be an 81 percent drop-off seven days seven days later is telling you something. And this movie has to make a certain benchmark. If it doesn't make that benchmark, which it might not make, then this whole house of cards that's very flimsy that DC is trying to erect is going to fall apart. And when you say it's about, uh, you know, it's it's myth, it's myth and it's not make believe, it's and it's commerce. That's true, but it's also a culture. A culture has arisen out of all of this. It's a little bit more complicated than it was twenty, thirty. 40 years ago. Now you have legions of people that are making money off of this tangentially. I mean, it's a whole lot of stuff connected to this thing beyond money in the pockets of Warner Brothers. You have people that but have... You're thinking, that, that, but, you're thinking, but you're thinking the North American marketplace and this movie opened worldwide everywhere. And, you know, I think overseas is going to prop it up because, you know, the, the bad negative word of mouth in America is going to sink in anyway. People well, forget about China. People forget about South Korea. People forget about Japan. Okay, let me, let, me give you, let me give you another markets. insight. Let me give you another insight. Our show is international. My boy Tokyo Mike sends out an email. We call him affectionately Tokyo Mike. He says that he was in a theater. Japanese folk walked out. What's up with that? In Japan. That was one. That was one movie theater. That's like me saying, you know, hey, I went to my no, movie he's, theater no, and two people saying, fighting. No, 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 no. He's saying he's hearing stuff. No, I'm not doubting that. He's saying it's very uncommon, respectfully. Japan is very, a very honorable society. For, for, the, for the Japanese to walk out on Batman vs. Superman is telling you something. And he said it just it was in his theater, but he heard that this was a kind of a thing in Japan. This is this is an international sucking. The only international time, sucking. The only other time I heard that was when they, they released the Matthew Broderick Godzilla over there. I heard of something like that happening with, with an American what movie where they China? just get what up and walk out. What happened in China, Deeper, the largest... Um, well, I, I don't know. Has it been released in China, in China yet? China. Has I it been released it in China world, yet? It was yeah. a worldwide simultaneous release. Yeah, it did. It was released everywhere it, in the world. It went over gangbusters in China. I don't want to get into it. I, I, this is my thing. If you don't, a person doesn't like it, you don't like it. It's no argument there. We can argue plot points. We can argue script. We can argue whatever. But I find it interesting that people, when complaining about this film, can dig deep into this um, filmophile dictionary of definitions. But on the other side, you know, they don't find enough to do it with Marvel. 
Is Exxon effed up? He effed up. Let hey, say he effed up. Well, we we ripped the uh, Marvel stuff before. L- l- did you hear our show about Age of Ultron? <laughs> you know, we we do rip into this. We Iron Man three. Do we need to bring that back up again? But uh, Bison, aside from that, while I have you on mine, we all know Black Panther is coming out next week. Okay. Oh, and uh-oh. but am I, am but I get jumped on. All right. No, no. But, wait, 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 wait. But just to let you know, the Bruce Lee Rises book debuts next week. All right. It's going to be a big week next week because you got the Archie book, you got Bruce Lee Rises, you got Dreaming Eagles Four. But just to let you know, the Bruce Lee book comes out next week too. Okay. Let, let me, me ask you this. That's, that's, well, hold on. I'll keep okay, on hold, sorry, hold on for a second, because I want to go to a quick break things up a little bit. I'm going to keep on hold, come back to you. Um, give me a second, Bison. I'm going to put you on hold for just one second. Um, all I want to say is this. It's, my issue with the movie is not about really being a fan, of the, a, a fan of superheroes or anything. I just thought the movie, as a film, take away the culture, take away comic books and pulp fiction and all that stuff. It was a bad movie. Just the way it went down. When Sergio Mims, who's a cineast and runs Shadow and Act, and he's not into comic books, but he was able to say, he said, yo, uh, Captain America Winter Soldier, that was that ish. That's someone who looked at it structurally from a movie-making standpoint. Okay, this is just a solid film. This was amateur hour for Zack Snyder. That's really my issue. It's less about having being a fan of, of guys in tights. It's more about was this really a good movie? And it wasn't. Anyway, my opinion, but 81% drop-off, that's telling you something. Anyway, quick groove. We'll be right back. More discourse. Um, Uh-oh. Uh, Captain? I'm here. Okay, Claire? He's a shady character. What's his name? I'll wait now. Got his card. I got a right card. Oh, yeah. Here it is. Doom. 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 Set this pile of rags to fire. When the heat gets to the jet fuel... It's hot music. Well... That'll be the end. It ain't nothing like a fist full of cash or a blitz full of the hash that puts like a moustache from end to end, spread it like a rash. From talking through your walkman or at the disco bash. Give me the Tim's rumble, still skin brown. A metal face mask with a built-in frown. A mic to tilt down, a hundred thousand pounds. And see how kilt sound like silk milk clown. Cocoa butter on a very ashy day, fam. Ray-Bans out on the islands of K-Man. Or I break it down for the layman. Band-Aid so label the okay. Man, a can of old gold. Too cold to hold. Slow your roll. Keep on moving like soul to soul. Hold the dough. Like a fool stole pity off. Trying to go up against city hall city ball. The black mic is like a red violin. Okay, everybody back to the lab. Try again. Rap game like Leviathan, these bad tastes killing my high like niacin. Stop kidding, middlemen need riddling. Hit me with the full tin and tin and I'm a kid again. Keep the bong lighting straight through the song writing. The supervillain, aka the thong biting, is a biting all to the reciting that's dope and raw. Hoping all y'all come in peace and it's open bar. Tear the roof off this bumper rise clock by the end of the night. Bad like size box. Spoke the shot, made the pen lines running. A ill plot to ten times, best time money. Funny how he ripped the 
script with a straight face With more rhymes than it's live in your database Placing rappers in endangerment who's reckless With this food for thought, sort of like breakfast You can mark it off as wreck on the checklist Wear gold fronts, can't afford no necklace Should that tent could go to help build them daycares Somebody say yeah, pay your fears
when you make you you know compare the two, I have you have to be honest about what's going on. But there's other callers. Let's go to this call. I think I know who this is. Two hundred one. Is this Q Storm? This Storm. is Q Storm. I got to get a bison real quick before I say what I have to say. Listen. Okay. Oh Jesus. Do not. Go ahead. Do not disparage my Superman too. Don't even think about it. All right. Anyway, um, I, I don't know if you guys have had this experience, but I, I, I put in the chat. I nearly got into a fight with not not literally a fist fight, but it got heated with these guys telling me, "Well, you're you know back going back to Superman too. Well, you're you're just stuck on the Christopher Reeve Superman." And I'm like, no, I'm stuck on the Superman that I've been reading since 1979. Uh, well, actually, I, I, I picked him up really, I got into Superman really heavy when Byrne did away with all that juvenile stuff and leaving out the character. But am I crazy? Doesn't Superman stand for certain principles, certain things that are very tan- almost tangible, that this new generation, seem, they seem to be rewriting the rules of what Superman is? And I, I challenge anyone, whenever someone tells me they liked this movie, I ask them, what do they like about it? It's the most superficial stuff that has nothing to do with the essence of these characters. Oh, well, Batman was a badass. He was like the Punisher. Batman was murking people. That's not what Batman is. That's not what the whole mythos is. Then you don't understand the character. I mean, listen, I'll be 50 years old this year, but I, I will cut somebody if they're trying to tell me. That. <laughs> oh, all right, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> you just came out your mommy's womb, and you're going to try to tell me what what I do and don't understand? Well, Superman's godlike. Well, the writers have made him that way. He's not the – he's from yes, Kansas. He's not I like your passion, Q. Let's he not has get too emotional. He, is, he doesn't consider himself a god. He doesn't hover on. He doesn't hover for five minutes while someone's reaching out from a rooftop. Nobody does. Okay, let me dial it down. Well, I, well I, I, hey, hey, Q, you're not alone. I had my own thing this week. Cap had to talk me off the ledge when it came to a certain fool that goes by the initial CB. You know. Uh, it, Cap had to uh, give me, but here's the thing, and this is what this is what this new age doesn't understand. Okay, this is what, and and let me break it down how I feel. Okay, Superman has always been a character that has close to godlike powers in our perception, but all he really wants to be is a man. All right, he just uses his ability. He doesn't use his ability to be worshipped. He uses his ability to enable the rest of us to strive to do better. He's a creature in the light, which is the perfect contrast to Batman, who's a creature of the dark, all right, who doesn't always see the good in everyone, all right? He's, he's distrustful for a reason, but the reason the friendship works is they have, both have a mutual hope for the future, all right, it's just their two their two methods, methodologies are totally different. One's the ultimate optimist, seeing the fun and joy in people. One's the ultimate pessimist, seeing the bad stuff in people, and they come together for for making a better tomorrow. Okay, it's not very dark and slightly gray. 
It's dark and light. The Batman is dark because he saw his two parents as a child. He saw his two parents gunned down. He has a vendetta against uh, <clears throat> against the, the dregs of society, crime and all that. Superman's father died from natural causes. And Superman, with all his power, was unable to help his father. That was his motivation to help people against crime and all the dregs of society. So that their origins paint the picture right there of what they're supposed to be. Well, yeah. listen, you know, I, I'm, I'm going to have to probably do a show. I, I mean, I, for whatever reason, uh, well, I know what the reason is, time constraints. I'm going to have to deconstruct this millennial mindset, to be honest with you. Oh, here we See, go. I'm, I'm, well, no, because well, that, that factors into this. I think, uh, well, even Man of Steel, which I didn't really, listen, at least in Man of Steel I was somewhat entertained. I didn't, I didn't have the same visceral reaction to Man of Steel as I did to this film. Uh, there were things that happened really towards the three quarters of the film that were problematic for me for Man of Steel. But I was welcoming of a different interpretation of Man of Steel. But you still have to have some guidelines. You got to stay close within the coloring book of of uh, Clark Kent's personality, and Clark, and also Clark, the personalities of Clark Kent's people, of his ancillary characters. You can't have uh, Ma and Pa Kent acting as if, well, you know, you don't have to really save people. You know, you, this, this world doesn't owe you anything. What? What? See, things like that, when you start to deconstruct the folk that love this film, I, I, listen, I, I can appreciate people who, are, who have different opinions because it makes me think I have to recapitulate and do what I got to do. But you also have to be fair about the mythology and about structure, storylines, personalities, characterization. All those things do factor in into a good movie. Or we have to admit that we, we, these people just like, uh, what's that movie that, that uh, the movie that that they did years ago, um, uh, uh, Cap or, or um, Daryl from MTV? You know the uh, what is that? Um, you know what it, the, the goofy stuff they used to do that made a lot of money. What Beavis and Butthead? No, no, no. Live action. Um, Jackass. The stunts, the, the, yeah, ja- exactly. He, he, maybe Jackass speaks to the to the generation, and then. Everything thereafter is, is passable. Maybe or, what's going on. Or maybe we're watching the live-action version of Gods and Monsters, but the problem is Batman isn't a vampire. Maybe. But Batman, I still like Batman isn't Mexican. I still that, liked that just, it, though. They set you up. At least they, that was at least so they fun, set though. Claire just said we didn't even, Claire said she didn't even know who Jimmy Olsen was. I didn't know who he was either. <laughs> That's a problem, isn't it? And I'll say one thing, and I won't say anything else. There's one scene in BVS that, that I didn't even uh, get in Man of Steel that was a – I thought they were going to finally show me the quintessential Superman. It's the scene where uh, I think they're at the Lex Luthor's um, soiree, and there's news that uh, – or maybe that was the Daily Planet. I can't remember. There was news that uh, the, there was a woman in Mexico that was stuck in a burning building. We see Clark right. get that scowl on his face, and then we see him un- start to unloosen his tie. And I'm like, okay, now I'm going We're to get the S. I'm going to see, finally, the, 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 for the first time, the heroic Superman scene that mimics the helicopter saving in Superman 1979, 
that mimics uh, Brandon Ralph bringing, bringing down the plane into the baseball field, that quintessential moment that introduces Superman as a hero. I didn't get it. <coughs> you know, I said, are we going to see him rip the shirt open, which is part of the Superman mythos? I didn't get it. I see him fly in, and then in slow motion, he brings the girl down, and everyone touches the god, and he looks up at the sky so troubled. Oh, give me a break. <laughs> that, yeah, that, that, menacing, that menacing floating thing. The, the menacing floating thing is probably – well, listen, let's move along. Enough. <laughs> Enough. The movie sucks. That's it. There we if go. If you like it, you like sucky movies. I'm being facetious. Oh, Lord. Oh, goodness. If you I'm like it, you, you have a problem with the art of filmmaking, period, because put aside the character's plot holes, characters not motivated properly, scenes that aren't edited properly. It's, it's bad filmmaking. That's what amateur hour. That's really, even if they change things around, the flow of that movie was. I mean, I'm just talking about just take away science fiction, superheroes, all that stuff. Just the way the movie actually moved around, it didn't flow right. All right. Four okay. weekends. Four weekends. Civil War. If Civil War sucks, then Houston, we have a problem. And I will say well, it sucks. No, well. Well, in two weeks, well, this weekend and one more weekend, we'll find out the, the fate of Zack Snyder. There you go. <laughs> That's true, too. That's true, too. We, we, can, we can have all the opinions in the world, but if this guy doesn't get – I don't think – I personally don't think he's going to be – he's going to keep that, that Justice League franchise much longer. I don't see it happening. Not with all this negative talk and, and not with 81% drop-off. I would I, – they're going to just keep on getting – well, I mean, you know – what number did we decide upon whether this was going to be a success or not? Did we come to a firm number? Did it be a one point five billion? I don't no, think we're uh, getting there. One point one billion. One point one billion. All right. It'd be all right. All right. It'd be all right. And, and that's looking. Well, yeah. Where is it now? Where is it now? What maybe six hundred million? Maybe six hundred. I, I heard. I heard five hundred. You heard yeah, 500. Oh, man. 500. It's a, I thought that was the first weekend, though, worldwide. No, it was no, a 500 no, 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 take. You got to remember, he didn't, we didn't get Saturday's total as of yet, worldwide and everything else. That's oh, the only given okay. with Friday. I, don't, I, don't, Friday. Think this, I don't think this thing's going to make a billion dollars. Uh, I, I, well, let's see. I'll say let's it right see. now. I, th- I think this thing's going to make around 800, 750, which, which, <laughs> would, make it, which would make it a failure. <laughs> Let's see. Let's this see what happens, man. This will be DC's Avengers. Zack Snyder, what I'm was pulling the, for what you. Was, what was what was Age of Ultron? One point three. If it does worse than Age of Ultron, then DC has a problem. Well, yeah, I think it was one point three. Yeah. Let's let's remember. Age of Ultron got redeemed partially because. Ant-Man was such fun, it brought some of those people back to the theaters. It didn't make as much as Age of Ultron, but it brought some of those back. Right now, yo, DC and Warner Brothers better hope the Suicide Squad is more fun than, than, than all of these rumors are suggesting. Because that's the thing to bring people back that got disillusioned by this film. But what, what is the case? No, I'm Squad. emotionally hurt, man. I'll wait till Sunday for Suicide Squad. I'm not going in there like how we went here with this. I'm emotionally hurt. I'm no. You're emotionally hurt. hurt. <laughs> oh. Q, 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 you had something to say, Q? I was just going to say, what What does it say that if Suicide Squad does better than a film that contains 
two of the po- most popular heroes in American culture. <laughs> and three of the most iconic symbols in the American culture. It says they messed up. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but uh, going back to the original question, the fact that they have to go back to do reshoots for Suicide Squad is one of two things. One, the studio's running in fear, like Claire said, and they're panicking because of, uh, A, how well the, the Civil War trailer was received and, and how, the, how people have gone down on BVS because of the lack of fun. Or B, and this is the more scary thing for me, is that I laughed during the trailer. So you're telling me, essentially, you're reshooting it to put more fun in. You put all your fun moments in the trailer? That was all the fun moments that are in that movie you put in the trailer. Then, in the first place, why the hell did you make it then? What, what the hell's wrong with you people? Uh, anyway, anyway, I just had to get that out. Back to you, Afro Nerd. Yeah, okay, let's let's switch gears a little bit. Uh, There's a controversy with, uh, this is still pop culture, and um, I think this is pretty interesting. And also, it delves into the notion of diversity, which has been very much uh, up for discussion on, on our show and other shows, and Oscars so white and so forth. Now we have a flip the switch kind of thing, and I, I want to pose this to, to our crew. Um, Hamilton, the musical, which is extremely pop, Extremely popular, extremely popular Broadway, uh, well, actually was off-Broadway initially, uh, about the life of Alexander Hamilton, the statesman Alexander Hamilton, the father of, uh, of, our, our, of our country, one of the fathers, um, the founder of our, of our financial system in the Americas. Um, it's done in rap, in a rap style, highly educational, but the, the linchpin is that the cast has been predominantly folks of color, black, brown, and yellow, no white folks. And that, it is what it is. That's how, that's, that's how that play has, has been developed. It's based on a book by Lin-Manuel Miranda. So now there was a call sheet or a cast, I guess, casting thing, that put out there that uh, non-white actors only – so you know what that ha- you know what happened there. So I want to bring this to Claire. We spoke behind the scenes briefly. Claire, you know, she's an actress, and she she could speak about this more intimately. And I received a whole bunch of emails from her uh, detailing how this thing goes down. So Claire, what are your thoughts about? I think there's there's definitely a difference, but it's controversial for some reason now that it's it's plainly saying. You know, non-whites need not apply. What are your thoughts about this controversy? Well, you know, just kind of going into what we had discussed before, I mean, casting, like it or not, is oftentimes race-specific. I mean, that's unavoidable. And I think the whole issue with this particular Hamilton casting call, you know, the, the, um, <clears throat> the, the casting notice, is particularly just the, the language. It's, it's exclusive as opposed to being inclusive because just like those examples that I was showing you, okay, those examples, you can say seeking African-American, Hispanic, Asian, and whatnot. You cannot say seeking non-white, non-Caucasian, 
I mean, some folks, I'm sure, might have read this and, and felt slighted, but this is, if, if you really look at it, this is something that people of color face all the time. There's always these, you know, legal, you know, ramifications that, that casting offices have to think about. But even when they say all ethnicities submit or, you know, ethnically ambiguous or whatever code words, that doesn't necessarily mean that they're not going to default back to a white, you know, casting choice. Okay? I mean, in terms of the, the whole thing, that how it's been broken down, you – you know about this because it was released to the public. We knew about Straight Outta Compton, that, that casting call sheet for the background actors. We knew about that because it was made public. But the majority of the time, that is not the case. And let's face it, most of these casting offices are run by white people, and either, they either don't know what people of color actually look and sound like in real life, or they are just abiding by specific stereotypical choices that are outlined by the director or the producers or the writers. You know, I mean, let's face it, the the majority of, of background casting has very finite statistics as to how they want to fame or give some semblance of diversity. But it is simply a matter of meeting a quota. That's it. That's it. We have to pad the background, the extras, the supporting, the non-essential as people of color in order to contrast the white leads, right? This is just the norm. This is how it is. I mean, I agree that instinctively, you know, we're living in a time that this feels like, this feels a little odd. Yeah, it does, it does ring a little odd to me because we know what the play is about and we know what the characters are supposed to uh, represent and that this feels like an example of, oh, okay, well, you know, white folks can can block people of color from having opportunities, but people of color can't do the same thing to white folks and whatnot. But I'm just saying that I understand, technically speaking, what their argument is as to why the Hamilton casting call, the wording, you know, wasn't as delicately, you know, or politically correct as it could have been. Yeah, you know, um, I think everyone is in agreement that it was poorly worded. But this is something that comes up in our show quite a bit, is that you know all of us have a stake in the, the depictions or wanting to see ourselves depicted in all these, you know, whether it's in uh, film, whether it's on television, or whether it's in a play. But, I mean, there's also the point where sometimes something is, like you said, specific. But I guess the wording was poor. But... But folks, because, you know, the union was involved in this, and it, it did come off discriminatory, but how is this not par for the course? I'm going to open this up to the captain. How is this not par for the course for people of color in general? Like, this is one play, but this is life when it comes down to everything else. Uh, you know, people of color are excluded routinely for things because the, the default is always white. Even when they don't say it's white, it's always white. So it seems it rings a little hollow for me, although that technically there was something that was wrong about the way this was worded for the casting of this particular play. But the fact that this is one play versus an industry, a machine that routinely excludes people of color 
for all for a whole host of reasons that you will never know. That's always hidden. It, it seems disingenuous, but uh, because there's such a call, you know, the Oscar's so white, and, and so many people are becoming so vocal about this. I mean, I, I always go back to my default is you got to come up with your own thing, because this 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 this, this isn't going to change for a while. This is a kind of a mindset. Hell, we spoke about this on Wednesday, didn't we, Cap? About uh, black privilege. Yeah, some folks are pushing the notion that there is a thing called black privilege. So, what are your thoughts about Ham- Hamilton and the notion that they had this kind of exclusionary wording that non-white actors need apply? Well, the wording is problematic, but let's be real. Fairness is the illusion of the weak to protect you from the strong to no avail. When you have power, you do what you want. So you need an illusion of fairness. There is no fairness, nor will there ever will be. That's just the way, that's the mathematics of how things work. It's an, it's an illusion, people. It's an illusion. They could have real easily just said, bring in white people, because there's plenty of white rappers that can rap. There's plenty of them around. Just look all on the Internet. you got nerd rappers. you got gangster white rappers. you got all different types. They could easily put it out there like that. But as you said before, they're trying to go with that initiative and make it look like there's fairness. There is no fairness, people. There is no fairness. You know, and as Afro-Nerd said, you got to just do your own thing. That's the reality of it. All you can do is force a little bit. Instead of them throwing you, you know, one bone, you might be able to get them to throw you three bones with a little force. But they're not going to throw you that hundred bones that you're supposed to have. That's what we're in right now because ultimately it's their system. It's their system. Even when it comes to their history a lot of times. What is world history here in the United States of America? It's his history. That's why I call it his story. <laughs> That's the reality of it. There is really any form, any other forms of his story. You know, that's all, you know, bottom feeder stuff. Oh, did that really happen? Did that this? Did, this, did that that? You know, that's how it goes. And that's what we're dealing with here. That's what we're dealing with here. That's the reality of it. So, you got to just press forward. That's all. Back over to you, Afronerd. Uh, and remember, in, one other yeah. thing. Sure. You know, just as we had the whiz, you know, some people complained about that. That's the millennials. Back to that again. You know, how do we get an all-black whiz? You know, where did wow. that come from? You know, remember that? <laughs> well, we had a well, white well, whiz, too. Well, I, <laughs> well, you know, wow. See, see this, is, this is the problem. I, I don't do the age thing. I just don't. I don't I'm not about that. I'm not about ageism or racism or... Uh, Ethnic centricity or whatever, whatever uh, descriptor you want to use. I'm not about that, but uh, I'm about facts. And because you, just because you don't know something, I mean, I remember one time I was dating a young lady, and uh, she was young, <laughs> so she, she, um, we, I was talking. We used to, I used the term Hasidim, and she said. There's no such word as Hasidim. First of all, she was in college, and I, was, I had already got my master's degree. I didn't want to pull that on her, but I was like, wait a minute. Just because you haven't heard of the word Hasidim doesn't mean that the word doesn't exist. She said, no, it's Hasidic, and I've lived around Jewish people, and I know, and I know, and I know. And that's what we're coming up against a little bit is folks that, again, talking about these millennials, which is frightening, 
I'm attracted to young people who have uh, intellectual curiosity, which means they're comfortable in not knowing something. And, okay, I didn't hear that. Explain it to me. No, these millennials are more on this. I don't, and I don't want to generalize, but many millennials have this thing about, well, uh, I know, I know up to up to X Y Z, and that's the end of it. There's nothing else over that wall. There's nothing else to know. I know it all. Prob- problematic for youth in general, but it's intensified with this crew. So when they don't hear it, like you said, they forgot that the Wizard of Oz is the is the template of everything. So that, so that that right there was very embarrassing. The same thing with whether it was a a troll or something when Kanye West and Rihanna worked with Paul Paul McCartney. Who's that guy? Oh, uh, Kanye's great at discovering new talent. Who's the older Who's the older guy? Paul McCartney. I can't respect that. I'm sorry. Pick up a damn book. Go to YouTube. Stop looking at Wiz Khalifa for a second. I'm just thinking. I'm just saying. Anyway, uh, let's go to let's go to uh, to Daryl and his thoughts. No, Hamilton, Daryl. No, actually, we can move on because Cap and Claire both brought to the table what I was going to bring up. Uh, Cap the, grabbed the whiz thing. That's what I uh, I was going to say. That the reason why the whiz thing and this was compare and contrast was it it was total uneducated. Uh, it was an uneducated viewpoint which part of this is an uneducated viewpoint, but it was said by what Claire said, improper wording, right? And and this day and age where we have social media, where we have the 24-hour news cycle, if you, get, if you make words wrong, if you come out in public and make a bad statement, all right, if you send out a bad email, and 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 even if it's in a thing like entertainment and you do something like this the story will live on forever and it'll be controversial until something bigger comes along and wipes it off the page perfect example hi d'angelo russell yeah yeah that ain't going to go away anytime soon but you know, and Hamilton has just got to uh, accept the fact that you didn't prove what you were sending out before it got sent out. Now that it got sent out, now you got to deal with the fallout. Back to you, Afrinard. All right, bouncing around a little bit. Um, let's go to the comics, and then we'll go to, to uh, Colleen Wing being cast for Iron Fist. We'll talk about that in a moment. I want to talk about this notion of the Joker, standing um, – both Marvel and DC have had their fair share of, re- of reboots constantly. The rebirth is coming coming forward. And Marvel, I, I, for those who think I can't critique Marvel, one of my most heavy criticisms of Marvel is this constant number one, re- having a number one every other month. You know, that, that screws up the lineage. That might be a, a sign of what's the deal with, uh, with comics as we know them. Because... Having, you know, certain stellar books, whether it's Spider-Man 120, 121, 122, or whatever, um, you know, the number of the, num- the the number of a comic book was very important. You know, it, it, it was 
you know, Avengers 57, um, the the origin of the the Vision. Oh, I mean, whatever. Uh, Detective 27, Batman's first appearance. I mean, the numbers do matter, but now Marvel is kind of taking that away, and and um, of course, at the, at the advent of the of the DC 52, that they've also done that as well. So now I'm, I'm, I believe what is going to be Batman 50, Daryl, that they're going to explore an origin for the Joker. Mm. Yeah. About that? Essentially, yeah. The right before be- rebirth, we're going to find out who the Joker is. They kind of set it up in um, Justice League when Batman sits in Metron's Mobius chair. And um, for folks out there, Metron is a new god, and his chair contains just about ultimate knowledge. So if you you were to sit in there, you would be able to get the answer to just about any question at all. So Batman being Batman asked the chair, what is Joker's real name? And, And this is, I think it was Justice League 43. So it was set up way before this. People are shocked now that it's going to happen. But it was set up way before this, and you see Batman in God mode, because once you sit into the cha- in the chair, you get God-like abilities also. That's a side effect. And he goes, no, that's not possible. Where he was boisterous before, he came down to a whisper once the chair implanted the, uh, uh, the, the knowledge in his mind. This and this is happening over the their dark side war. Okay, so the the first hardcover came out. If if you want to check it at your library or whatever, this scene happens. My thing is, one of the fabled things with Joker was we never, at least in the comics, in on on the animated series, they gave you a definite uh, origin for the Joker on on um. The Nicholson, uh, the Nicholson and Keaton Batman. They gave you a definite origin for the Joker. Comics-wise, there have been about 20 different origins to ask to who the Joker was. And once or twice, they only gave you they gave you a name attached to it. But to a lot of us, he was an unknown thug, or an unknown musician, or an unknown comedian when the accident happened. Or whatever happened to turn him to that. And on the other side, he was a murderer that made a uh, deal with the devil. He 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 was a part of a scientific experiment that made him go sociopathic. He, they, like I said, I just gave you like four different origins right there. There's like ten more different ones for him. All right? The, the, the main appeal to him was my appeal for Wolverine in the beginning. You didn't know. You had no idea. And when you peel back that onion and you give us that knowledge, I think you take away some of the, an, an interesting part of the character. You know? that. Uh, but but what am I to know? I don't know the comic business, right? You know? I, I don't know it. But I guess, I guess that uh, we're in an age where, oh, full disclosure, Full disclosure. We're going to tell you the truth. Here you go. Here you go. Well, there's some things when it comes to comic books where the mystery is more alluring than the truth. Back to you, Afrinard. 
Yeah, you know, I don't know how I feel about this because it seems like it's been, it's, it's so long. We're talking about a 70-plus-year-old character. And to go into this kind of thing now where you're going to be, you know, disclose more about who or what the Joker is, uh, the Joker's mystique, talk about mythology, the Joker's mystique has always been a part of Batman's mythology. Um, so now they're going to go more into this and reveal. I mean, I, my understanding, like you said, uh, he was Jack Napier, small-time thug, falls into this vat of acid, becomes disfigured, and, and hence becomes crazy. Uh, but there's also, in later years, they've been making the Batman and, Batman and Joker flip sides of the same coin and also somewhat um, a certain degree of mysticism with both these characters, that there's other things going on with the Joker that are, that are da- downright mystical. Um, I don't know if this is a good thing. I think this might be a matter of just being lazy or just there's a dearth of ideas. Um, I just don't know. I, I wanted to put it out there because I, I don't know how I feel about about this team at at the D.C. going into this thing and making it somewhat of an event. Um, Claire, I know you're more on the movie side of things, but this still kind of deals with that. What are your thoughts about... DC wanting to explore something that really was never been explored for in 70 years. Not this way. So you're saying that walk me through this again. So you're saying that there's going to be yet another retelling of the Joker's origins? Yeah, yeah, basically. Constantly rebooting. But more definitive this time. We, we did We've never really known who the Joker is. He's always been a mystery for for 70 years. In the comics, he's always been a mystery, as opposed to the movies, which have given him more more of a backstory. Essentially, yes. Yeah, but but that was still based on a comic book. I mean, the the way that the Tim Burton um, origin of the Joker was, was straight from the classic origin of Batman. I mean, of, of the Joker in Batman, that he's the red, he's the he's the Red Hood. He's part of a gang. They're in a factory. Batman's chasing this guy. He loses his footing. He falls into this this weird vat of probably toxic liquid, and he becomes disfigured out of it. And that's what that's really the birth of the Joker. And that was displayed. And even Jack Napier. I mean that that's that's been his name in the comic books also. Just like Enigma, which is kind of a, a joke, obviously a joke, a joke type of joke. Edward Enigma, Enigma, is is the Riddler. I mean, some of the stuff is is what it is, but that's talking about really. But we never really knew who the Joker was. The Joker's always been just a Joker. I mean, I can see what you know. There's there's an allure to giving a finite history to a character that's a bit of a mystery and, you know, it's been told in different facets and different iterations and interpretations. But I'm, I'm, I am with Daryl on this one. You know, I mean, once you have something on lock, then I kind of feel like, I mean, in many ways that it seems 
about. I mean, when you have characters that are decades and decades old, I mean, the whole the whole aspect of, you know, retroactively, you know, continuing the story means that you're going to change the details anyway. So they're saying that they want to give him a specific background or, or a background that's never really been explored before. Well, it's more like the the name, is, like I said, the scene that, that was in the Justice League, the name obviously meant something to Batman, and it shocked them. Like, oh, no way. You know, like it's sort of like that. So the rest of us are going to find out in, in, in this issue. The problem is, again, again, it's a geek problem. This ain't no major world-shaking problem. But I find when you have a mysterious character and you pull away all at once all the mystery behind them, it sort of kills the character. You know, and and it happened with me with Wolverine. I used to be a big Wolverine fan, and then all of a sudden they just laid bare all of his origin, laid bare, oh, he can remember everything now, you know, and the character became less interesting to me in the comic. You know, it's sort of like if you knew the complete history of James Bond right away. They've they've set him up as a man of mystery all of these years, and then they just reveal everything one time. It sort of kills you. You know, it's sort of like, but I was invested in the ride. You know, it's good to tease this, this, and this. To me, you know, the Jack Napier thing, we've, we've discounted that in the past, you know. It's been on, it's been off. You know, we, the Joker even present, with, presented with that name, laughed it off in the comics, actually, you know. But just to, all this time, Batman's been fighting his father. You know, wait, what? All this time, he's his lost brother, like what they tried to do with Hush, you know. If you if you give Joker a definitive history outside of what we know, I think you killed the, some of the appeal of the character. That's all I'm saying. So, something else too. Um, this this was inten- this was intentional. Like I mean, f- for my purposes, I always knew who the Joker was because I go beyond just reading the comic book. And many of us on on this on this uh, show we do that. Uh, I like the, the the stories of the creators. The creators would tell you where, the, where these guys come from. Um, when I found out, when I found out that, um, well, first of all, you know, it's a creation by Jerry Robinson. Tangentially, you're talking about um, Bill Finger and Bob Kane. Jerry Robinson. I'm going to quote something from Jerry Robinson himself. Um, but I mentioned this before also. I mean, as far as the physical look of the Joker, we know he's from the, from the, you know, the Joker from the deck of cards, and more importantly, there, there's an actor by the name of Conrad Veidt. Conrad Veidt was in a silent film called um, The Man Who Laughs. If you look at the silent film, he clearly looks exactly like the Joker. I mean, I, that part I think is cool, that these guys back in the day, you know, they, they, they use certain things as a template for their characters. So that to me was enough to know where the Joker comes from. But let's go to his characterization. This is a quote from Jay Robinson. He says, they've given many origins of the Joker, how he came to be. That doesn't seem to matter, just how he is now. I never intended to give a reason for his appearance. 
We discussed that, and Bill Finger and I never wanted to change it at that time. I thought, and he agreed, that it takes away some of the essential mystery. That's from the creator of the Joker. But, you know, Superman kills people, so does Batman. So things change, allegedly. Let's go to the captain. Captain, what are your thoughts about now DC's exploring something after 70-plus years that we need, we need to have a definitive origin of the Joker? Well, we talk about this a lot on this show, you know, why they do this from time to time. Some people make some valid points when they say the younger generation, they need to know this. But it's more like what we always say. They look to stir things up from time to time to get a money grab, and then all of a sudden it becomes something else. So it's the same modus operandi that these suits behind the books, along with the artists, pull. You know, and, and they shake up the people, your mythos, your childhood, and everything else behind doing these sort of things. So that's just what we're dealing with, you know. You know, we do get a bit perturbed by it and everything else, but, you know, we, we have to learn to deal with it because we're not in a total direction, control the direction of these books, per se, per se. But we can voice our opinion on shows such as this and others, you know. That's all. I'll leave it at that. Back over to you, all right, um, let's move to another Netflix deal. Uh, I can't wait for, uh, of course, Luke Cage, but Iron Fist plays a role in this as well. And they're, they're, they're coming out with more more information on, on uh, the casting of Iron Fist. So now we, we have Colleen Wing comes into play um, by the actress Jessica Henwick, who we know from Game of Thrones and also from Star Wars. So, um, Claire, let's go to you, because we're seeing some representation, but at the same time, is it, is it an appeasement or is it honesty? What, what are we dealing with here? I mean, it's got to be a good look. I mean, she is of Asian, Zimbabwean, and English descent. Well, I mean... Too little, too late? I mean... I, I don't even know. I don't even know if I can say too little, too late, or too soon to tell. I don't even know what to say because it really comes down to how integral her role is going to be. Um, because you know, I mean, didn't they say something about Shang Chi for like a hot minute? Yeah, you see, I, I, so, I, that's well, what makes me makes me nervous. Is I, I, listen, I'm a big Shang Chi fan. I actually, I said this before, I would prefer a Shang Chi. Netflix series over an Iron Fist one. That's just me. But um, I want to go to Daryl. Because, Dar- you know, uh, Daryl's knowledge on this is probably better than mine. So I've always been in and out of that book. But is there a potential for, you know, extended storylines, dialogue? I mean, like, how, how integral are we? I know Colleen Wing and Misty Knight, that those two, they, they could potentially have their own. I mean, I know that they've had their own series in print. But, Daryl, what, what's, what's the deal with this? What's the potential with Colleen Wing as far as characterization and really as opposed to like some lightweight um, supporting character? What are we expecting here? But here's the thing, right? The very thing they told us they couldn't do with Iron Fist, they just did with Colleen Wing because Colleen Wing 
always in the comics, well, most of the time in the comics, was uh, uh, essentially a white woman, all right, a white woman. She appears white, but she has mixed heritage, all right? So now you give us a Colleen Wing that's Asian with mixed heritage, <laughs> you know, and, and the first reaction I had seeing it was like, and these are the people that told us that we couldn't do this with Iron Fist. That's beautiful. But leaving that aside, I'm leaving the hypocrisy aside for a second. I'm going to leave it to the side. That was just my one dig. I will say this, okay? It's going to be hard to get behind Colleen Wing because it always used to be, well, Danny's over here with Misty and Colleen's here with Luke. Problem is, Luke is kind of with Jessica Jones. So now we got to find a role for Colleen in this. You know, it, it, it's sort of like they, they, wrote, they wrote themselves into a corner here, okay? The, now, my hope is, the positive hope is, now it forces you to make her more, more than just a cipher or more than, oh, well, she's Misty Knight's best friend. This means you got to write a direction for her, all right? And in all positives, let's remember, they did a great job with Karen Page. <laughs> They've done a great job with Foggy Nelson, all right? So, so hopefully that's what they're, that's what they're, they're laying the groundwork for. That, uh, that's, that's, that's my firm hope that with Colleen, they show her one half of the Daughters of the Dragon, where Misty Knight is the badass detective, they, they come up with something for Colleen that makes her respected in her own right. Back to you, Afrinard. I mean, yeah, I'm suspicious. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm skeptical. I mean, again, like I said, I don't know if I can say too, too little, too late, or too, too soon to tell, because we're still probably a year away from this in terms of, you know, being released on Netflix, but... I don't know. I have I have seen other instances in which they get somebody, you know, to fill in a token slot. Okay, like we talked about before, filling in a quota, giving some semblance of diversity, but then when I actually come down to, you know, seeing the the actual show, it's obvious that the role is minor, you know, inconsequential. And so then I feel like, well, no, <laughs> who cares, you know? I mean, all that yeah, all that for what, really? It's just, it's all, everything's politics. I mean, it's gone to the point where I just kind of look at that. I raise an eyebrow. I'm like, okay, well, we'll see, you know? I mean, let me tell you, this is only confirmed in my mind that one has to happen. I need to, I need to somehow become English and get on Game of Thrones. And two, I need to learn me some, you know, kung fu martial arts stuff. Clearly, those are the only two ways that you're going to work if you're Asian. Anyway, so moving on. Well, I'll say this much uh, to be somewhat optimistic in favor of what Netflix, the product that Netflix produces. The Netflix Marvel Union has been very masterful. And even the ancillary characters, you know, I think of Vondi Curtis Hall, although he is de- his character is deceased, which kind of brings up the whole uh, – Jimmy Olsen thing. Uh, this newspaper person, uh, Ben Urich, 
he's such, he's a, he's an integral part of the Marvel mythology, but they killed him off in in um, Daredevil. But be that as as it may, as a ancillary character, I don't know if I should really say that um, a supporting role. He was phenomenal. And I think maybe some have said that because his he would he being missing in season two, you could feel that that weight being missed. Um, but essentially, what I'm saying is because Netflix does what it do, what they do, and the quality of the work, um, I would hope that they would they would allow this actress to do her thing. So far, many of the properties that they that are coming out of the Marvel Netflix thing. Whether you're a main character or a supporting character, you seem to have weight. So I would, you know, hopefully, I mean, I'm I'm going to have to go deeper into this this Daughters of the Dragon deal. That is the the, the imprint that ha- that with Colleen Wing and Misty Knight. Uh, again, I'm sure uh, Daryl knows more uh, about that book, that series, but based on the fact that Colleen is a detective, that they have a detective agency. Um, there's a lot to work with there if it's done right. So hopefully Netflix maintains the the precedent that's been established and they just do good work. You know, I mean, now's not the time to start sucking. I would say that as, as, as a, I mean, just same thing with um, AMC TV. AMC TV, they, they set up a standard now. This is not the time to be whack, hopefully. Captain, any There's never a good time. There's never a good time to be whack. Yeah, but, you know, we saw what we saw last week. I'm just kidding. Anyway. (laughs) uh, Nothing to add or to take away. Let's move along, ladies and gentlemen. All right. Um, We got to talk about this Blade series. Let's stay on comics for a minute. Um, our friend, who we also saw at the Blackfinity Gauntlet a few weeks ago, Ariel Johnson's Amalgam Comics, the great Joseph Illich from Milestone, from D.C., and now um, he has a book called The Wren that's forthcoming about the Harlem Renaissance. I can't wait for that. In his comic book resources piece, The Mission, he was highlighting a fool Richardson um, who we, we need to get on the show. She has a great book called Genius from Image. And now she's been tapped as an illustrator for the upcoming Blade series. Now, they've made Blade uh, women-centric with, I believe, Blade has a daughter in this iteration. And I think Blade, still, Blade, the character, is still going to be around, but now he has a daughter who, assume, who I would assume is probably also part vampiric, part vampire. Um so he's talking about how that's kind of a, a landmark thing that we see a, a woman of color um, drawing a female blade series. That's something to be to applaud. But then he takes note that there were other characters that one would assume might have had a, a black writer or a a black artist, and they did not. Um, Dad, did you read this piece? By Joe Illich? Yeah. But what the more... What are your thoughts... Well, hold on. What are your thoughts about the Blade series, how that's going to work out, and also what he was saying about some of the work that's being given to black artists, female artists now, 
and also the 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 characters that some of the characters may be a bit wonky. Well, I'll I'll just say this, okay? When it comes to to people of color, right? And you 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 you're doing stories about them, okay? You kind of want to have a person of color, if not in a writing capacity, in an advisory advisory capacity with it, right? What he pointed out in the middle of this article, where he asked people who their favorite black woman writer of color was, and and one brought up Gail Simone, another brought up... uh, I forget the other two ones where I just sat and I went like, wow, just wow. You could be honest during something like this and go, I don't really know any uh, writers of color that are working on books. You know, you go like, you know, you could just be honest with that. You go like, I, I, I've stayed to these universes pretty much and and I, I don't really venture outside this is hoping a fool Richardson changes all of that because if you saw her her do genius, and again, folks, pick up genius, all right? It's beautiful. Uh, it's it's military strategy uh, stratagem stratagem. <laughs> eh. It's a military exercise, strategy. essentially. It's a military exercise happening in Compton. With this one female <laughs> against the system at large, and it's beautiful. It's 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 it'll make you think. It's fun and it's scary all at the same time, you know. But uh, again, I haven't seen a woman of color on a major series since uh, I forget the name of Dwayne McDuffie's wife. She had Titans for a bit. Before the whole 52 mess. And and since then, I haven't had a major wo- woman writer of color. And just by my, my, my brain racking itself, pardon me, trying to figure out her name shows you the dearth of uh, uh, black writers, black female writers, in the, in the big two. You know? Well, I mean, we see Ta-Nehisi Coates and we see David Walker doing their thing, you know? But black female writers, few and far between. That's why we're all cheering what Amanda Stenberg is doing with Niobe. And hopefully that gets a bigger a bigger push coming up for true shows like ours. All right? What he was highlighting was, you know, there's, a, there's, there's been a dearth of that. And not just because they're not hunting out there for us. All right? But... Also because it's kind of discouraging our community, which is a whole other issue where uh, where pursuits of intelligence are getting uh, getting ostracized. Like, oh, it, it isn't a good look to be doing that, you know. And we all know creative people of all types that we know if they took it up, they could they could succeed at that. As far as the series goes, I gotta read it. I gotta see it. But, uh, you know, but here's one thing I know. This won't be Twilight. Sorry, Twilight fans. Me as a horror guy, I didn't really cotton on to that. All right? 
But we know if Blade's name is attached to this, this is going to be a little bit more hardcore than that. Back to you, Afrener. Yeah. Um, Cap, what are your thoughts about what's being discussed here with that particular article that, you know, this is going to the business part of it again, that, you know, as time goes on, you know, we have all these characters, characters of color, and yet we don't have people that are even reflective of the writing for that character or the drawing of that character. Well, the more the, the, more the merrier, right? The more the merrier. We need more of us drawing these type of characters, also writing, writing, doing the writing work for these characters. As I said before, I believe I said that two and a half years ago, it's the time of the woman. You're going to see more and more women put into these roles where they were kept out of before. You're going to see that happening more and more and more. So there's more power to them. I don't care as long as you write well, man or woman. That's the bottom line. I don't care if you, you know, man or woman. Make sure you draw well also, either or. Let's go, and let's just push the movement. That's all I have to say. Back over to you, Afton Earth. Um, just just quickly with what Daryl was talking about, um, you know, Joe was mentioning three books specifically where, where they would have, one would have thought there were folks of color behind them, and there's only one of them out of the three. The one book is Bitch Planet, which is a pretty popular book at Image, and Kelly Sue Deconic, uh, she's behind that. And I think one would have assumed that she was a person of color, but she is not. Uh, she has said jokingly in a, in a Fanbro show, um, shout out to the Fanbro show, she says, uh, I'm so white, I reflect light. <laughs> so she's not, you know, she's just not a person of color, but one would think she would be. Uh, the Sheriff of Babylon is another book from D.C., D.C. Vertigo. Tom King is not a person of color, but it's about people of color. And Fiona Staples' saga, she's Canadian and of color, uh, but she's the only one out of the three that comes to, comes to mind. So this is some of the stuff that's actually mentioned in uh, Joe Illich's piece. But I, I, listen, I'm going to definitely pick up this Blade book. Um, and he does highlight that there are some there, that they are coming, that we're seeing. And he also mentions, shout out, he mentions Amalgam Comics, The Coffee House, uh, shout out to Ariel Johnson. So he's talking about things appear to be moving in a certain direction. Uh, Tanasi Coates, David Walker, you know, David Walker especially is a friend of the show. Um Things are moving, maybe not as quickly as we, as we would like, but then again, I'm being told that Milestone Media has returned. So the excuses are wearing thin, and Milestone Media was, was in its inception black, brown, and yellow with the characters and with the folks behind the scenes. Um, we got to be about that infrastructure, personally. we got about four minutes remaining, folks. Um, I just want to talk about one quick thing. And then we will move things along. Um, Patty Duke passes. Patty Duke passes. Um, Seventy almost didn't quite make it to seventy. I was actually taken back by, by this woman a little bit because, for those who know um, movie history, um, you know, there's the Patty Duke show. Um, also. She did, she did the Miracle Worker, and uh, she, you know, 
are great surpassing. Uh, Gary Shandling, I, I, think, I think we might have mentioned this a little bit last week. Senator Stern, which is kind of an inside joke with, with him being called Senator Stern, the first Iron Man, the comedian Gary Shandling, he passes as well. Um, we can't take it for granted. I mean, Patty Duke was married to Gomez. I say that kind of affectionately. Gomez from the Adams family, John Aston. Um, also, Patty Duke was kind of a kind of a, a rebel. There, she did a, an interracial um, in the seventies, an interracial commingling uh, storyline. I forgot the name of. I think Al Freeman was in it. Al Freeman, who who, who we know played um, uh, in Malcolm X, Elijah Muhammad. So she was somewhat radical as an actress, and it's unfortunate that she passed at 69. And we know that her son, um, also from the Lord of the Rings franchise, uh, he's definitely in, in the geek, geek, uh, geek world. What's his, uh, this? Uh, Dad, what's his, her son's name? Sean. Um, uh, Sean. Sean Aston. Yeah, Sean Aston, right. I'm thinking of Duke, but yeah, Sean Aston. Um, we're losing our greats. It's it's quite unfortunate. Definitely unfortunate. 2016 has not been a good year for nostalgia. <laughs> Let's face it. it we've, we've lost a lot of heroes this year already, and we're barely into April. This is not good. Oh, you know what? One more thing. With minutes remaining, you, and you hinted at this, Daryl. We did not talk about the infamous crossover with Flash and Supergirl. Around the horn, quickly. Let's go to Claire. What were your thoughts about this? this um, crossover you know what? You're going to have to. You're going to have to skip me because I I missed it. And I'll be honest with you, I have not yet caught up with Supergirl. I've only seen the pilot. Uh, it's getting better. <laughs> uh, Daryl, your thoughts quickly. Uh, quickly, uh, it, it, it was done to protect the film version of the Flash. I mean, Gustin, Gustin and Benoist have a definite chemistry together, and it was a fun episode. But when I thought harder about it, it made me a little mad. Uh, I'll be totally, uh, totally speak the truth there. Uh, uh, hero of it, the the, the saving grace was win. Win just like this week's arrow, how Curtis saved it. Win saved that crossover. Cap, garbage. There you go, Bree. There it goes. <laughs> I'm gonna have to take a look, man. I'm curious. I'm what's going on here. But like I said, like I said, in just you know quickly from responding to your tweets about it. You know the thing is, is that. The crossover between Flash and Arrow is so successful because the point of a crossover, the, what makes it so exciting and fun, is that it elevates both storylines. The yin-yang energy elevates both characters. When I saw the commercials and the promos for uh, this Supergirl and, and, um, and Flash crossover, I mean, it's probably the reason why I've yet to get around to it. I mean, it's very cute. It looks very cute. Well, on that note, folks, it's been real. We got seconds remaining. We'll do it again on Wednesday and then Saturday also. Let's go out more, more urban alternative groove, black rock and roll. This is What Not, featuring Tamar Kali. See you next week. It's been fun.
Never 